You're listening to Sermon Audio from First Baptist Church of Van Walsteen. For more information about First Baptist Church and our services, please visit www.fbcva.com. If you have a copy of God's Word there this morning, go ahead and turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. Uh, We have had an amazing April here at First Baptist Church, Van Alstine. Uh, Things are kind of coming to a conclusion with this final Sunday of the month. I want to welcome the kids this morning. Uh, This is a family worship Sunday for us, and so it's great to see the room filled. I will tell you that last Sunday on Easter Sunday, we had nearly uh, 250 to 300 people in here at the early service. You move the service back to 830, and it didn't look quite the same. But we did have a great group over in the early service this morning. Uh, It is so good to see you. God has been so good to our church family, and the best is yet to come. I believe that. Uh, I believe that wholeheartedly. These are exciting days for sure, and God is providing, and God is working, and we are in the final stages of, of uh, preparation, really, for turning over dirt on our property on uh, Colin McKinney Parkway over there at our new home, and so God is, is doing a lot of things. Pray about the details of all of that. There are a lot of things that really need to line up and fall in place for uh, us to start building in a timely way. Pray for uh, materials to come when they need to. You can just imagine uh, all the things that uh, need to happen uh, for us to be able to get in our building in the time that we uh, hope to. And so we're trusting God with all of those details. So while today has been designated Celebration Sunday, uh, you need to know that every Sunday is really Celebration Sunday. Uh, we come together to celebrate Jesus, our risen Lord. This morning, we're going to look at the impact of the resurrection and what it means for us today. I think sometimes we can look at biblical accounts, we can look at the resurrection, for example, and only look at it through a historical lens and think of it as just some historical event that happened back there, whether you believe in the resurrection literally or not, uh, and, and you don't realize the connection that it has to our lives today. And the Apostle Paul unpacks that in a pretty profound way in some of his writing and his teaching. And he essentially says, Christianity is, is pointless if there is no resurrection. And so it has an impact on where we live today, right here in 2022. Now, when you come to Matthew chapter 28, Jesus had been crucified. He'd been buried in a tomb, and Pilate, the Roman governor, had set guards at the tomb. We read in Matthew chapter 27, verse 64, as kind of a lead-in to our text today. It says, therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. They were concerned about some sort of a conspiracy. I've always thought it strange when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus that his enemies seemed to remember what he said about his resurrection, while many of his disciples seemed to have forgotten it because after he was dead, it was his enemies that made sure the tomb was secure. There's not a word that tells us that his disciples thought that he was going to rise again. In fact, they seemed surprised when he did. And I think we would be the same way, don't you? We'd like to think that we'd be right there and we'd be like, oh, I I can see this coming. I I guarantee you, we probably would be more like Thomas. And we'll talk about him maybe uh, in just a moment. We read in Matthew chapter 27, verse 66, it says, So they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. 
And what started out as a gloomy situation by any standards was about to be turned into a glorious situation. Here's how the psalmist said it in Psalm chapter 30, verse number 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But joy comes in the morning. Our God specializes in turning tears into pearls and turning sadness into gladness. And he turns Calvary into an Easter here in Matthew chapter 28. Now we're going to break the text down into two parts today. We're going to look first at the first 10 verses of Matthew chapter 28. So I hope that you'll follow along there as I read. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. I love that. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The first thing that I want us to notice from our text today, never underestimate the importance and the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And maybe you are one of those who is wondering, how could something that took place so long ago have significance in my life today? I want you to see first that the resurrected Jesus rewards faith. The resurrected Jesus rewards faith. What message did that angel give to the women who came to the tomb that first Easter Sunday morning? Verse 7 says, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And I love the first three words of verse number 8. So they departed. You could even add quickly. They made haste. They departed quickly from the tomb with mixed emotions, as you can imagine. Matthew writes here that they, 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 they quickly left the tomb with fear and great joy. You ever have those kinds of mixed emotions? It's like when, when you experience the death of a loved one who you know is a professing believer in Jesus Christ. You, you kind of have mixed emotions, don't you? There's naturally a sadness, and the Bible says that it's very normal and natural for us to grieve. There is a time to, to, to grieve. But at the same time, you know because of the hope that our choir just sang about, our hope in life and in death, there, there is an excitement. There is a great joy. There's a hope that really can't be explained in any other way except to say that our hope is attached to the person of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, the one who conquered death. Now, do you know what it was that caused them to take the first step there of obedience? It was faith. Understand this, Bible faith is taking God at his word and acting on it. That's biblical faith. 
So when we talk about faith this morning, we're not talking about uh, name it, claim it kind of theology. Oh, if I'd have just had enough faith, then maybe my loved one would have recovered here on earth. And those kind, That's not what we're talking about. True biblical faith is taking God at his word, believing God, and acting upon that. That's faith. You know what it takes to please God? You ever get that much thought? I think sometimes we do certain things all in an effort to please God, and many times we do those things in the flesh. I know I have. If I do this, and I do this, and I cross this T just right, and I dot this I just right, and I, I compile this amazing religious resume of sorts, then, then I'll, 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 I'll find God's favor. Romans chapter 8, verse number 8 says, So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The things done in the flesh may please you for a while, but they do not please God. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Did you hear those last words? He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Who is he? It is the resurrected Jesus. It is the resurrected Jesus that rewards faith. Now, how did he reward the faith of these ladies? According to verse number 9, it says, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. Can you just imagine this? They came up and took hold of his feet and they worshipped him, which, by the way, should be our natural response to a resurrected Jesus. When you come to know and understand who Jesus really is, that he's far more than just a great teacher or a prophet, that he is, in fact, God come in the flesh who conquered death for us, your response, my response, should be one of worship. They worshipped the resurrected Lord. So he came and he rewarded their faith by his presence. Matthew records that he met them by his proclamation, greetings, rejoice. By his proximity, they, they literally, it says here, held him by the feet. This was an act of, of worship and, and veneration. By his peace, because we continue to read in the text here in verse number 10, he says, do not be afraid. You can put it down. Faith always brings you to Jesus. Biblical faith is only as strong as the object of its faith. And biblical faith is attached to Jesus alone. It's by faith alone in Christ alone that a person can be made right with holy God. So as they went, Jesus met them. Jesus always meets us at the point of our faith. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, man, as I look back at my life and as I kind of recount my spiritual journey, I can point back to a time in my life where I had a real crisis of belief. I wasn't sure what I believed. I wasn't sure what to believe. I had some doubts. I had some, I had some things that I needed to wrestle with. And, and, and it's sad to say, but in, in many churches today, it, it seems like it's not okay to not be okay. That it's not okay to, 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 to have to wrestle with issues of faith and, and, and spiritual struggle and some of those things. That's why some people are resistant to the church because they feel like, I'm too broken to be a part of that. I, I don't have my act all together. And so we, we lead people to mistakenly think it's almost as absurd as saying, well, i got to get cleaned up so I can take a bath. And I've had conversations with people, and they're essentially saying, well, as soon as I get my life in order, as soon as I get things all squared away, then, then I'll come and I, I, I'll, I'll connect with the church. 
And we're just a collection of messed up people, the pastor included. And so God is daily transforming me by his grace into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And by his grace, I don't look like what I once did, but I still have not arrived. He's still working on me. It's like the little song in kids' church used to say, I'm a promise, I'm a possibility. God's still working on me. That's what it's all about. So you think about here, it says in the text that some doubted. Now, we, we naturally think of Thomas, right? In fact, we've, we've taken Thomas, and we've, we've called him Doubting Thomas. I understand that. I mean, it was Thomas who was honest enough to say, I'm not so sure about this. Would we have been willing to say that? Or would you have just kind of gone along with those who were convinced that Christ had, in fact, rose from the grave? Thomas wasn't so sure. Some of you kind of are more like a Thomas. That, that, that's, your, that's your makeup. I mean, you're like, I, I got questions about this. I'm wrestling with these things. And Thomas essentially said, not until I, I, I see the scars in his hands and I touch the wound in his side will I believe. And so we chalk him up as this doubter. Do you know the last recorded words of a disciple in John's gospel are the words of Thomas, who said, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. So why don't we call him Believing Thomas, right? Believing Thomas. Maybe some of you are sitting here today and you're like, I I'm more like Doubting Thomas right now. I get that. I'm more like Doubting Thomas. It's like the, the father of the, of the epileptic boy in Scripture who, who came to Jesus for healing. He said, I believe. Help down my unbelief. I haven't got this all figured out. I haven't got this all squared away just yet. And that's okay. We want to be a church that can help you wrestle with some of those things, those issues of faith where you maybe struggle. And, and, and you would say, well, I believe, but, but Lord, help my unbelief. But we see here that the resurrected Jesus rewards faith. You cannot please him without faith. You cannot truly know God without faith. That's why Paul wrote to the Ephesians that said, it is by grace through faith that you're saved. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. The second thing I want you to notice from our text today is this, the resurrected Jesus removes fear. The resurrected Jesus removes fear. Now, again, we read in verse number five, the angel telling the women, do not be afraid. Now, why do you suppose the angel came with that message? I mean, what would that mean for his followers? There certainly would have been some buzz in that day. And, 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 and what, what, what does this mean for us? Well, what's going to happen? Naturally, we, we saw at the crucifixion of Christ, and it, it was obvious that he had died on the cross. And so his, his disciples kind of scattered in fear, right? What, what, what does this mean? Maybe, maybe I'll be next. And look at what the resurrected Jesus said to them a little later, again in verse 10. Do not be afraid. In the, in the climate of that day, the political, the cultural climate of that day, you've got to understand that they were in many ways marginalized. And right now, here in the good old United States of America particularly, we're struggling with that, aren't we? By and large, we, we've enjoyed the favor of government and some of those things that we would naturally desire and want. But it seems that more and more we're being marginalized. And I think we're going to have to understand that we, we may need to operate from the margins and maintain a faithful gospel witness, even when it's not popular, 
Even when there's, there's, some, there's some cultural fallout from that. You know, we've got a lot today that, that people are, are naturally fearing. They, we fear the future. We fear the unknown of the future, don't we? Don't you think our lives would change dramatically if somehow we could see the future? I mean, you're in a situation right now and there's some uncertainty about what the situation's going to look like in a, in a couple of weeks or a couple of months or a couple of years. Maybe it's a medical diagnosis. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a fractured relationship. And you're just like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here. And you kind of, you, you feel that fear creeping in. It seems that more and more the poor, they, they fear because they don't have any money. The, the rich fear because they don't want to lose their money. The uneducated fear because they don't know enough about what's going on, while the educated fear because they know too much about what's going on. Children fear being alone. Adolescents fear rejection. Senior adults fear Social Security drying up. I mean, you can just go on and on and on. What's the economy going to do? Are we going to be paying $5 a gallon for, you know, for gas? How will I do that? How will I feed my family? There's all these things. But know this, when the resurrected Jesus is guiding you, there's nothing to fear. None of these things take him by surprise. He removes the fear of today. He removes the fear of tomorrow. He removes the fear of eternity. That's why a faithful follower of Jesus Christ can lie literally on their deathbed without fear. Without fear of what their future holds, what eternity looks like for them. Because they place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the one who removes fear. You realize that the resurrection of Jesus guarantees ours? That's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 19. Because I live, you also will live. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul is writing about the resurrection. There, the great resurrection chapter. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That's another way of saying they've died. For as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Do you realize today that spiritually speaking, you're in one of two places. Either you are in Adam, still dead in your trespasses and sins, or you are in Christ. You have turned from your sin to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is talking about there. He's talking about this death coming as a result of that original sin that we, we can look at in Genesis chapter 3. But life comes as a result of what Jesus Christ accomplished at Calvary and his burial and ultimately his resurrection. Now you say, well, what does that mean that Jesus became the first fruits of those who had fallen asleep or those who had died? We think about this, you, you, you go to a, a tree filled with fruit and you can pick the first ripe fruit. And then later you can go back and you can pick the remaining fruit as it ripens. Well, get this, Jesus has already been raised. He was raised first, making him the first fruits. And one of these days we will follow him in resurrection to be forever with the Lord. You see, it's the resurrected Jesus that guarantees our resurrection. And that guarantee removes fear. Fear from today, fear from tomorrow, fear from eternity. You can write it down. Because Jesus lives, you no longer have to fear. It's the resurrected Jesus that puts fear out of business. 
Then I want you to notice thirdly today, the resurrected Jesus releases his followers. With that, I want us to look at the last half of Matthew chapter 28. Let's pick it up in verse number 11. It says, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. This is their their worst nightmares coming, coming true. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, now you talk about a conspiracy, here it is, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. The very thing that they said they feared would happen is now their story, Right? We've we got to tell people it was his disciples that came and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. The verse 16 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they, here it is again, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The third and last thing that I want you to see from our text today is this. The resurrected Jesus releases his followers. He releases his followers. If you've ever watched a sporting event, then most likely you uh, know that there is typically a a, a series of post-game interviews, a post-game press conference, and and that kind of thing. I'm a a huge Mavs fan, and so I'm as disappointed as the rest of you Mavs fans that they lost yesterday. And, 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 you know, I watched a few of those post-game interviews and, and, you know, analyzing the game itself and what could have, you know, what could have done differently, what could we have done better, what, you know. We could have scored more points than the other team. That would have been good. You know, I, I mean, it, it's like all of this. Can, can you just imagine what it would have been like after that resurrection Sunday morning? What was the talk? What were people saying? News, of course, didn't travel in quite the same way that it does today, naturally. So what would people have been saying? And don't you think that what Jesus said after revealing himself to his followers many times over post-resurrection appearances, what he said to them was pretty important. I mean, this is like his post-resurrection interview, you might say. It gives us a glimpse of what's important to him. Releasing his followers, when? As you go. That's literally what the Great Commission is. It's an as-you-are-going As you were going, that is, as you were going out in the community, no matter what you're doing, whether you're at work or school or in the store, whatever you're doing, chatting with your neighbor next door while out mowing the yard and doing all of those things to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, leveraging all of those relationships, leveraging your resources and your influence in every way possible to let people know about the resurrected Jesus. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 11, which really for us is like the rest of the story. You look at the four gospels and what you find there is really uh, these biographical accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. 
And then, then after he ascends back to the Father, Acts tells us what happens next. Right? And so in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 21, it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to, to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. That's what's promised here, right? The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So while some of these followers were simply talking to some about the resurrected Jesus, others were preaching in a formal sort of way to, to others about the resurrected Jesus. In fact, the resurrection of Jesus was the central theme of the witnessing of those early believers, whether they were talking about it or preaching about it. They were proclaiming the gospel. The gospel of a perfect, spotless Lamb of God who came and died a substitutionary death only to conquer death in his resurrection. And notice the result of, of talking and preaching the good news. Because if you continue to read there in Acts chapter 11, it says the hand of the Lord was with him and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. That's called sowing and reaping. That's called sowing and reaping. That's what we're to do. This is our, our great commission. We're to be sowing seeds, gospel seeds, wherever God gives us opportunity, enables us. And so where followers of the resurrected Jesus are proclaiming the gospel, people are coming to Jesus. It's the resurrected Jesus that releases his followers. That's why I love our, our missions partnerships. That's why our unified budget is so important as we fund missionaries, not just here locally, but around our state, this region, uh, through North America, and literally around the world. We, we, we got images on, on Resurrection Sunday of some of our missionaries baptizing individuals who had come to faith in Jesus Christ on the other side of the world. And we get to participate in that. That's, that's the Great Commission and so the resurrected Jesus releases his followers. He releases his followers when? As you go in your everyday life. Now, some would say, but pastor, that's, that's why we hire you guys. You guys are like, you're our hired guns to do the Great Commission, right? No. Great Commission belongs to all of us. Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, certainly I have a task along with you to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to equip you to do that. But the Great Commission is ours because the resurrected Jesus releases his followers with the good news of the gospel. Where? To the nations of the world. And God is still calling people to the nations of the world. God is still calling people from Van Alstine, Texas to the nations of the world. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's something you've been wrestling with, something you've been praying about. A strategic move that will enable you to, to better plant seeds and reap a harvest by the grace of God. He releases his followers with what? With the word. With the word. That's why 19 and 20 of Matthew chapter 28 are so important. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He doesn't send us out to fend for ourselves. Good luck with that. It's not like that. It's not like he shoves us off in the deep end and says, sink or swim. He says, I'm going to be with you in this endeavor. I'm going to be with you. Every follower of Jesus Christ is to be in the disciple-making business. Our task is not just to gather a crowd. As great as it is to see a room filled with people, that's not our task. I mentioned this morning in baptism, as we baptize today, we're not, our job is not making Baptists. That's not that's what we're doing. We're making disciples of Jesus Christ, and we pray that they too will in turn make disciples of Jesus Christ. It's really Christianity's, it's like our power sweep of the old Vince Lombardi days. <laughs> you study Vince Lombardi on football, and he'll tell you, if we couldn't run the power sweep, then we were done. Is their bread and butter, right? Well, the Great Commission is Christianity's bread and butter. It's our power sweep. That's why Paul said, The things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall then be able to teach others also. Teach others also. That's why I love the fact that there are young people who will be baptized today still in their formative years, still growing and learning as we all are. The statistics tell us if, if individuals are not reached by a certain point in their life, then the chances drop dramatically of them coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, is that to say that an 80-year-old can't come to faith in Jesus Christ? Not what I'm saying at all. I know a lot of people who would say, man, this, this is just one part of my life, and then I, I, I came to understand the gospel, and I came to, to, to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord, and my, my life has, has been transformed. It's different that's why Paul wrote, when we're in Christ, we're a new creation. Old things passed away. All things become new. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's why we want to be a transformational church. A transformational church. We want First Baptist Church Van Alstine to be characterized, marked by bringing people to Jesus and baptizing them and teaching them the word of God in discipleship. Every follower is to be in the disciple-making business. Every follower in the gospel-sharing business. Those early followers spent the rest of their days bringing people to Jesus. Now, was it always easy? No. Did they suffer greatly? Yes. Most died a martyr's death. So it's not going to be easy. Is persecution possible? Absolutely. So are you willing to go with the good news of the gospel regardless of what it costs? The resurrected Jesus rewards faith. He removes fear and releases his followers. As you go across the street to the cubicle up the way, to the person standing beside you in the checkout line at Walmart or wherever you shop, planting gospel seeds for the sake of the kingdom. If we could for a moment bow our heads and close our eyes as the band comes back up to lead us in worship.
I don't know where you might be in your spiritual journey today. Maybe you're one who would say, Pastor, it was many, many years ago that I committed my life to Jesus Christ. I turned from my sin to faith in him. But if I'm completely honest, I have not been committed to the Great Commission. Maybe it's because of fear. The fear of rejection, the fear of being misunderstood, the fear of not knowing all the answers. There may be others here today who would say, Pastor, I, I'm just seeking, searching. I have some serious questions about some of the things you've said today. This gospel. Who is Jesus really? Are you suggesting that he's more than just a great teacher, a prophet? Well, we want to be here to help you answer those questions. To come alongside you as you wrestle with matters of faith. Wherever you may be spiritually today. Know and understand that there's only one way to be reconciled to a holy God, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. He said himself in John's gospel, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for what the resurrection means to us today. And as we sing these great truths, God, I pray that they would swell within our hearts as we unite our voices in praise and worship. But I pray for anyone here today that is uncertain about their relationship with you, that they would turn in faith to Jesus Christ. And maybe their plea, their cry is, I believe, but help my unbelief. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Van Alstine. For more information about our church, visit www.fbcva.com.